Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today you're going to have a chance to hear about a new ACT book that's just been released called The Diet Trap. This is a self-help book for people who are struggling with overweight using the ACT model. It is authored by Jason Lillis, myself, and Sandra Vanderland. Jason is the first author and my guest on today's program. I know there are masses of books about dieting out there, and I hope to give you some insight into this particular book that offers a unique act approach. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for having me, Joanne. Jason, um, we have had you on the program before. It was a long time ago, um, and I asked you the same question. Uh, but please tell us again, what, what is your personal interest in this subject? Sure, yeah, it's uh, it's no accident that I'm working in this area, as uh, often it isn't for, for us psychologists. Uh, but I've been around the struggle with food uh, my whole life. Um, pretty much everyone in my family is either overweight or obese, and I've seen kind of firsthand how food can become such a powerful and reliable source of comfort, uh, and also how hard it is to change these uh, these eating habits that become so well ingrained um, as a way to kind of self-soothe. And, um, you know, I myself have a tendency to overeat and I know that's inside me and it's been, um, in a way, a lifelong struggle to find a more healthy relationship with food. So, uh, this, this, this area is very personal to me. Um, and it's also an incredibly difficult area. If, if we look at the, um, uh, the research, um, you know, in the, um, in the 70s, when I was studying psychology, uh, the first weight loss research came out um, with uh, um, Weight Watchers was one of the things came out of that from the, you know, using these uh, strategies of what was called stimulus control and um, teaching people essentially to uh, get themselves under to the to the control of putting their sitting in a certain place. And, and, and uh, then it turned out many, many years later, um, at that time, it was sort of a hallelujah atmosphere of we found a solution. And then long-term follow-up showed that this did not work at all, uh, that people gained pretty much all the weight back or more uh, after, you know, what were these diets, which is true for most. And so both you and I know that this is an incredibly difficult area to work in. It doesn't That doesn't uh, scare you off. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, it makes me want to, you know, what's driven me to this area is trying something new. I think it is a really, it's kind of a sad area to work in, in a way. You know, one of the most important obesity researchers of the last few decades, uh, Kelly Burnell, um, has basically, who kind of, quote unquote, wrote the book on weight loss, um, 
you know, he he's even taken the stance of there you shouldn't even try to lose weight, uh, mm-hmm. which is which is amazing. You, know, you think about it; he's kind of one of the main people, but he's taken this view that you know all all you can do is try to change policy and um, change the environment, which I think is a worthy cause as well. But uh, I don't think we should abandon people out there who are struggling and looking for some solutions. And you know, I I it, I, I do think the struggle kind of inspires me. Um, like it has other people to try to find something new because I think most of what people try to do to help people lose weight is based on stuff that's been around for, like you said, 40 and 50 years. And there's very little new work done in the area that that could be considered like a departure from uh, tried and true things that we know help people pretty well in the short term, but seem to not work very well in the long term. Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the criticisms when uh, the first long-term follow-up came up uh, was um, that we made assumptions about people with overweight that were not true. And one of the assumptions said, why, why would people with overweight be different than others when we were working with things like it was called stimulus control, uh, getting them in, under the control? But, but thinking, uh, why would uh, – you know, we, somehow we're making some kind of assumption that uh, – people with overweight were different. And I think maybe that was one of the biggest uh, breakthroughs for me to realize that, um, you know, we were probably thinking that, you know, that pe- people are different rather than what are the common denominators for all of us. This is a, a fight that we all fight in different ways. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think, yeah, looking at it more uh, from a sense of what is common about struggle inside your relationship with food uh, and, and how you uh, lead an active or inactive lifestyle um, and looking at the commonalities between that and struggle elsewhere um, where, where people are struggling in all kinds of different areas in their life. I think there's a, a lot that's that's common inside of that that we can, you know, and that's that's kind of what our approach is about is 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 targeting that those kind of common processes that that fuel a lot of suffering in people's lives in different ways. Jason, there are many, many books out on, on weight loss. So what what's different about this book? Yes, I, think, I think the biggest difference about this book, uh, you know, because it, it is a book about healthy living and, and weight, um, but it's it's not a set of diet rules and exercise recommendations and different ways to do diet rules and exercise. Um, it's a book, you know, largely about how we relate to ourselves, mm-hmm. the struggle with how we feel and what we think about ourselves, and and how for some of us food comes to play a big part in helping us try to change how we think and feel about ourselves uh, and dealing with, with that struggle directly, um, your kind of relationship to yourself, and how that translates into your eating and, and activity habits and dealing with that at that kind of core level uh, as opposed to just giving you a sets of rules on how to eat different and, and tips for, for trying to exercise more. Yeah. Jason, both uh, you and Sandra recently both did your doctoral thesis on this subject, which was an ACT approach to overweight and treatment, and resulted, this resulted in, in a number of different scientific articles. Um, so would you say that this book actually is um, relatively more evidence-based than, than other self-help books of its kind? 
Yeah, I think I think that's a nice thing about this book. I, I, I think it's it's certainly evidence based. Uh, you know, as you know, many self help books are not, and you know, there've been uh, there've been a number of studies using this kind of approach that have shown to be helpful uh, for people helping them lose weight, helping them maintain a weight loss, uh, increasing their physical activity, uh, coping with with weight based surgery, uh, and that's one reason I think we all felt good about writing. The book and sharing this approach uh, with other people. Um, having said that, I, I, I always try to note that um, scientific work using ACT for weight issues is still very much evolving, and it will be some time before we know exactly, you know, how helpful this approach is for who and what situations. But I, I for one, am very excited to be a part of continuing that line of study, and I, I, I plan to remain uh, having my career focused on that. That sounds good, Jason. Uh, you know, one thing I, I think any reader who looks at this book, I know I really felt that the, the tone of this book is very, very compassionate and respectful towards the readers who are probably involved in a lifelong struggle with overweight. Uh, for example, on the first page, it, uh, it's written, the, the approach and acceptance and commitment therapy is a compassionate one. We want you to love yourself as you make changes. Thank you. Um, well, one of the things I was thinking is that uh, was very much a big part of your vision for the book, Joanne, so I want to acknowledge that. <laughs> uh, a lot of the soul of this book comes from your uh, your initial uh, thoughts and ideas on the whole uh, approach, so um, I definitely want to acknowledge that. But, you know, I think the world is a very, very cruel place for overweight and obese people who often, you know, are hurting in the shadows a little bit and you know anti overweight attitudes begin incredibly early like very very young children as early as three years old it's still uh, at least in America it's still socially acceptable to make fun of someone's weight uh, you could tune into the late nights and it's on uh, jokes all, all all night long about people's weight um, there's uh, evidence of discrimination in education and healthcare and the workplace for people who are overweight or obese. Um, a lot of the stigma directed towards people who are overweight comes from family members and friends. Um, so there's really, there's almost no place to hide. It's a really brutal world to be overweight in. And this kind of negative, these, these attitudes, they, by and large, they get internalized by people who are overweight or obese. So they come to find themselves as disgusting and lazy and unlovable. Mm -hmm. um, and this is often the place from which they try to lose weight, mm -hmm. a place of you know, disgust or hate about how they look mm -hmm. or feel. Um, and even if, that, even if that worked, even if you know, hating yourself could help you, motivate you to make really positive changes, it would be a valid question to ask whether that was a healthy way to undertake that change. But in fact, the research tells us that this kind of approach uh, you know, one in which you're trying to avoid feeling so awful about yourself does not really, in fact, lead to good behavior change over time. So we want to start from an entirely different place. We want to help you learn to love yourself now and also empower you to pursue meaningful change in your life, not to avoid, you know, disgust about yourself, but because there's meaning and vitality in the change itself because you're, you're, you're looking to build a life that's more meaningful to you over time. Jason, so that's the new life of 
that's great. I, you know, if you break down into this um, this idea of self acceptance, I know that um, uh, when I'm out, especially you know, talking to physicians or different medical people, they um, even though we we know the research is the as it is, uh, there's still this attitude of but um, if the person really does need to go out be lose weight, then um, why should they accept themselves as they are? That it seems to to be um, I don't know if this is, you know, different, just very different perspectives, but uh, how does that work, accepting your weight, but also wanting to lose weight? Yeah, you know, it's funny. This is the, when I speak somewhere, this is the number one question I get in the audience, which is, and it re I think it reflects a general attitude, but it's this idea of, you know, if we, if we essentially, the, what, people think is if we let people accept themselves then why would they ever do anything different <laughs> and um you know i and i understand how that might make sense logically um because it is a paradox of sort but i you know i think in order to make powerful changes in your life it is actually helpful to accept yourself as is mm. and that may be confusing um just that just on concept but but here's what we mean by that so accepting means Taking, or I think it means, taking as is the person that you are, how you feel and what you think, and saying that you are valid just as you exist. Mm -hmm. um, and it turns out that that's, that stance itself is a powerful one from which to make behavior change, which seems odd because you're saying I'm, I'm, I'm okay as is. Um, but there's something about that that frees you up to, to make changes with your behavior. And I, I think it has to do with, you know, uh, looking at your behavior versus how you treat your inside. So I say to my patients all the time, you can't control how you feel or what you think. And I think that's the acceptance piece. So it's like what's happening to you on the inside, the thinking, feeling part. But you mm -hmm. can control what you do each moment of the day. And I think that's the change piece. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's taking the target for change from you know, what you think about yourself and how you feel and whether or not you accept your body and putting that change out on things you can actually change, which are how you live your life. Mm -hmm. um, so acceptance, I think, applies more to what's happening inside you and your core worth. That, that, that's not of question and validity. Mm -hmm. And the change applies to your behavior and what you want to be about as a person, what you want to do with your feet. Mm -hmm. So I think accepting who you are, how you feel, what you think is, in fact, a very good foundation for making a lot of change. So, yeah, I guess it's, it's kind of a paradox in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but hopefully that, that makes it a little more clear what, what we mean by, you know, building on self-acceptance. Yeah, um, would you say, Jason, that um, it, it could also have to do with our intention or motivation for the behavior change? For example, if if I see myself as unacceptable and I'm trying to live up to other people's standards, that would be result in one type of um, vitality or non-vitality in, in what I'm doing. Whereas if I start from a platform of that I am acceptable, then my motivation to change has to do with maybe what's meaningful to me rather than living up to other people's expectations. Yeah, I think that's that's very well put. And I do think that, that those kind of sources of motivation where you're doing things just out of core meaning for, for you, uh, you know, the research would suggest that that's the kind of stuff that you're actually going to stick with if you are kind of running away from 
you know, whether it's your own self-judgments or, you know, uh, how you think other people think of you or, or are worried about how they're going to treat you, um, that that's probably not going to work as well, that those kind of sources of motivation. So that's where the self-acceptance piece can really empower you to, to, to make uh, do different things in your life. Yeah. Now, there's a section called uh, weight loss as the fix me trap. Would that uh, be an example of what we're talking about? Yeah, I think, you know, I think absolutely, because the fix me trap is, you know, when people fall into a pattern, just like we were talking about, where they, where what they're trying to do is, is change their thoughts and their feelings before they do important and meaningful things in their life. So, uh, you know, I like to use this example of, of a younger me, <laughs> who's a guy who uh, says, for example, he has to not feel anxious before asking a girl on a date. <laughs> that anxiety has to go away before you can ask her. Uh, well, as a formerly painfully shy young boy, I can tell you what happens is you never ask any girls. Because <laughs> that anxiety doesn't just go away because you want it to. Um, so that's the, that's like a very simple example of a fix-me trap. So, I, you know, the boy's got to fix his anxiety before doing something meaningful uh, that could that could actually lead to something positive for him. Uh, now, weight loss, I think, can be a big fix-me trap for folks because, you know, many weight patients will say they'll do all these wonderful things when they lose the weight. Mm-hmm. And often what that means is that they lose the weight, they'll feel more confident, they'll feel sexy, they'll like how they look, they'll be happier, and so on. And when they feel all those things and think good things about themselves, then they'll do things like go dancing or go to the beach or go out with friends more or go on a date or deeper still, how about have... Uh, sex or be intimate with their partner, uh, which can be the ultimate of off-limits for someone who's disgusted by their own body and never feels sexy. Um, now, there's obviously a few problems with this. On the one hand, while while they are, quote-unquote, fixing themselves, they're missing out on life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, life is precious, and every day we have the opportunity to do things that matter to us. And and that's really what life's about. So if you put all of that stuff off until you reach some imagined weight or some desired set of feelings, uh, what are you what are you doing now with your life? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, what if you don't reach said weight goal? Mm-hmm. Then do you, do you never do those things? And I I think the last part is the real kicker. I think is where the real trap comes in. Um, I think the sad reality for some people is that you know what if you do reach your weight goal? but you find that your thoughts and your feelings don't perfectly line up in a row for you. Mm -hmm. You don't feel super sexy and super confident all the time. And maybe your mind gives you a break on your weight, but now it's found other things to criticize about you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think many people will find this over time. It's human to have self-criticism and to have some negative feelings. So if you think weight loss is going to erase all of that, and that that's when you're going to live life, the kind of perfect life you've decided uh, you're going to have, well, then you might be in for a rude awakening. Um, so, you know, I think that's the fix me trap. Uh, and we try to get people out of that and start living their life as they want to live it right now, as they're as they're becoming more healthy, not just waiting to reach some imagined point. Yeah, I think you gave an example in the book of, of uh, that the, the supermodels uh, actually have probably more uh, body dissatisfaction than any other population. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're notorious for having, you know, really, really horrible body dissatisfaction and picking out incredibly small flaws that, you know, most people couldn't even notice. Um, 
you know, and so, but there's this thought that, you know, when we're overweight, that, you know, when we reach that goal weight, whatever that is, and usually people have an exact number, um, that, that everything's going to fall into place. And, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with losing weight and getting healthy. I think that's absolutely an admirable, um, goal and, and part of a value driven life. I just think when that becomes the replacement of a life, and doing things that matter to you, then, then that's, that's a trap. Jason, uh, you have, there's an exercise in the book called extended, extending gratitude to your body exercise. I'm not sure how long that is, but it would, I think it would be a nice thing to do on the radio show. An example of what the book, uh, sounds like, but yeah, absolutely. Could, could you read it to us? Sure. I'll read you the, this is the extending gratitude to your body. And this, shows up in, um, I believe in the second chapter of our book, where we're talking a lot more about self-acceptance as a foundation for making behavior change. So take a minute to get in touch with yourself and just notice how you're sitting, what it feels like to be sitting. Become present with yourself and begin to observe how your body takes care of you. Your body seems to know exactly what you need and it tries to provide what you need to be more balanced. See if you can just notice the wisdom of your body that whatever you do, however you behave, your body accepts things the way they are and does its best to work towards a healthy balance. See if you can observe your heartbeat perhaps putting your hand gently on the left side of your chest. Imagine how this heart of yours has been with you from the beginning, how it's served you day and night through all the years of your life. This heart of yours has pumped more blood when you needed to run or climb stairs, pump less when you sat still. Your heart has never judged you harshly. Rather, it's accepted and served you in whatever ways you demanded. Perhaps you'd like to take a moment and thank your heart for its non-judgmental way of serving you. Can you feel your stomach or parts of your digestive tract? You might feel these organs at work, sorting out what you've been eating into what your body can use right now, what to discard, and what to store for later. Your digestive tract has put up with all your dieting efforts, no matter how extreme, hasn't judged you. Rather, it's done its best to make do with what you've provided. Take a moment to show appreciation to your digestive tract for the compassionate way it has served you all your life. Now focus on your brain. It's an incredible marvel composed of literally billions of neurons firing as it organizes everything you do, from circulating necessary fluids throughout your body, to sending the information required to move your limbs, as well as thinking, problem solving, and so on. Pause for a moment and extend gratitude towards your brain. Your brain serves you in the best way it can and hasn't asked for anything in return. 
Allow yourself to notice and appreciate the enormity of the job your brain has been given. And as you do, see if you can show it some appreciation. Now take a moment to fully experience what acts of self-compassion feel like in your body. Take a minute to simply experience the compassion you've created before you change gears. Wow, that was really, really nice, Jason. Yeah, I think it's it's we we very rarely pause to take a take a moment to notice how tirelessly our body serves us mm. um, without really asking for much in return, except the occasional extra rest when uh, when you're sick, as I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, really tirelessly serves us and um, we almost forget all the things it does. Mm. And what a nice metaphor for ourselves, uh, this non-judgmentalness of uh, our body that we could also learn to handle our own thoughts and our own emotions to uh, accept with non-judgmental view. Absolutely. Jason, we've come to the end of the program. Um, how do you hope that this book will contribute well, I, you know, I hope mainly that this book will give people a different way to approach healthy lifestyle change, uh, and namely a more compassionate and holistic one, uh, one that hopefully is focused on finding and pursuing meaning in life as opposed to simply changing um, numbers on a scale in the hopes that that will change how you think and feel. Um, I hope this kind of alternative connects with people and inspires them to create lives that are, you know, overflowing with vitality and purpose uh, and not just um, a set of harsh rules that they kind of sentence themselves to uh, because they've been, you know, bad with food. Uh, and, and so I hope this book becomes somewhat of a refuge for some people uh, from the constant um, uh, constant message that, that all they need to do is have more willpower and lose weight, and then their lives will be magically better. So, so hopefully, this just provides a, a different voice and and an alternative way to to try to approach healthy lifestyle change for people that's more compassionate and empowering. Thank you so much for being on the program with me today, Jason. Thank you, Joanne. Um, you've been listening to Dr. Jason Lilies. Uh, Jason is um, assistant professor. Uh, at Brown Albert Medical School and the Merriam Hospital. He is working at the Weight Control and Diabetes Research Center. Uh, Jason and myself and Sandra Vanlem are the authors of this new book that's called The Diet Trap, Feed Your Psychological Needs and End the Weight Loss Struggle Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. This book is available on Amazon.com. Uh, I will link it to the program. You can read more about Jason and his work uh, by clicking on his name on this week's, week's episode of ACT, Taking Her to Hope. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne and her work, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website icon in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. 
Joanne's books are available through Amazon.com, including her two latest, The Diet Trap, Feed Your Psychological Needs, and End the Weight Loss Struggle Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, and ACT and RFT in Relationships, Helping Clients Deepen Intimacy and Maintain Healthy Commitments Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy and Rational Frame Theory. Amazon also carries her books on chronic pain and other topics. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.